0: Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 9. We'll pick up where we left off. It's been a while. Yeah. Refresh your memories. Israel's about to get her first king, and we meet him tonight. So, Father, we do pray once again that as we open your word, you would open our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. 1 Samuel 9. Tonight, as I mentioned, we will meet Israel's first king, Saul, or how it's supposed to be pronounced Saul, but we'll call him Saul. He now, from now on, will be the star of the show until the end of 1 Samuel. So he's center stage until chapter 31. It's all about Saul, and that's really the biggest problem here in 1 Samuel it's all about Saul. So chapter by chapter shows a steady deterioration uh, in Saul's character and career with a tragic ending Uh, It ends with a quasi-suicide on the battlefield, uh, as most of you know. So Israel wants a king, you'll recall, that can uh, be out there. They can showcase to the world, look at our king. We're just like everybody else. They've been asking for a leader who, uh, who they could take pride in. And They're tired of the invisible ruler when other nations said, who's your king? Well, we don't really have one that you can see. And so uh, they were growing impatient with that. And so they rejected the Lord in favor of a human king. And so now the Lord is going to give them exactly the kind of king that they've been asking for. And they've been asking for, and they're going to get Saul. And Saul's name means asking for. And so uh, he's perfect, as you will soon see. He's tall and extremely handsome, and uh, he's from a prominent family. All the outer trappings of what you would want in a celebrity kind of leader. Now, one way... Uh, God brings correction to stubborn, unyielding hearts is to grant what they crave in hope that through the bitter realization of the destructiveness of self-rule, they'll learn to seek God's will above their own. And so Saul is a real conundrum, which means dilemma or puzzle. Uh, While he's got a lot of admirable qualities he's got a lot going for him he's kind you'll like him you will really like him and this is part of the problem Uh, he's a likable guy he just doesn't know the Lord nor does nor is he interested you know anybody like that really nice guy he's just zero interest in spiritual things and uh, this is going to be Saul kind thoughtful generous gracious willing to obey And the Holy Spirit is going to come upon him in power, and he's going to do some great things. And, to add to what a dilemma he is, he's fearful, insecure, self-absorbed, jealous, and he becomes a murderous madman and the enemy of the the best king that Israel ever had, uh, King David. And the power of the Holy Spirit will no longer come upon him. And the favor and the presence of God is going to lift from him. And he's just a big mess with commentators. They don't know what to think. Most of them say he just never got saved. Some of them think, well, maybe he was saved and he's going to lose all his reward. But uh, it doesn't look good, whatever the situation is. Here's the lesson of Saul before we dive in. We're going to do this chapter. Uh, He's full of potential and, and calling. He's very impressive, but he ends up a hopeless failure because he's spiritually shallow. I got a quote, and then we'll dive into the chapter. Saul's story is supposed to be unsettling for every Christian reader. Because like Saul, we all have impressive qualities and great potential and calling from God, and have within us the same propensity to throw it all away through spiritual neglect, self-will, and rebellion. That said, let's meet Israel's first king and learn from him and his mistakes. That's why the Bible includes so many of these sordid details of these Bible characters. Learn in a vicarious way, through them, not to throw your potential away. That's the lesson here tonight. Verse 1 and 2. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechorath, the son of Aphia, of Benjamin, He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. So Roman numeral number one, skin deep, Saul's everything Israel's lusting for outwardly. First we see privileged birth, Saul's uh, family pedigree there, a powerful dynasty. Whenever you get a list like a, a genealogy, you know that that family is prominent. Uh, uh, in the Hebrew, Saul's dad, his name is Kish, but he's in the Hebrew, a mighty man of power. So he's a former military guy. So Saul is born into wealth, influence, and prominence. On top of this, he's like a Hollywood leading man. In the Hebrew, impressive means handsome. Uh, King James has it, goodly, which is old word for handsome. He's without equal when it comes to being handsome handsome and outwardly impressive. Without equal, no one came close in an entire nation. Can you imagine being the most attractive person in the entire country? That's Saul. Bingo. This is what you people want. That's what you're looking for. The qualifications to be our king, you want him head and shoulders above everybody else, and you want him so good looking that he's the number one guy in the country. Uh, That is what uh, the world looks at, the outward charisma. It's funny, in the Hebrew, it says from the shoulders up, he's taller than anybody in Israel. It doesn't mean that he had a really long neck. (laughs) It really is an idiom that we use today, head and shoulders above the rest. And so uh, this, God is right on the money. You know, they're saying, uh, we want this kind of king. And the Lord says, I got just the guy for you. Rich, powerful family, tall, tall handsome you're gonna love him so when they see Saul their hearts kind of skip a beat you know the guys look at him and they admire him they want to be like him well yeah lead us look at this guy who's, who's you know and the women look at him with gaga you know and so everybody's happy he's got what it takes notice what's not mentioned about Saul Saul comes from a wealthy, influential family. He's good-looking, but there's nothing said about his relationship with the Lord God of Israel. There's nothing said because there was nothing to say. Proverbs 31 and verse 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. No matter if you are a woman or a man, the person who fears the Lord is the one who is praiseworthy. A nice little quote here before we move on. There's nothing inherently wrong or sinful about being attractive or wanting to look good and all of that. It's just what humans. Uh, it's just when humans obsess on and over-evaluate and cultivate even though uh, the outward is temporal and has very little merit. And we do so at the expense of the character and faith. And relationship with God things God's values and lasts forever. I think the easier way to have said that is if only we took as good of care with our soul as we do our outer appearance. Oh. (laughs) Three through 14, big chunk. Now, the donkeys, belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area of Shalisha, but they didn't find them. They went on into the district of Shalim, but the donkeys were not there. Then they passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they didn't find them. When they reached the district of Zuf. Saul said to the servant who was with him, come, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. But the servant replied, look, in this town, there's a man of God. He is highly respected and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he'll tell us what way to take find these donkeys. Saul says to his servant, if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered him and said, look, I I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I'll give it to the man of God so that he'll tell us what way to take. Now, a little editorial note. Formerly in Israel, if a man went to inquire of God, he would say, come, let us go to the seer, because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. Now, good, says uh, Saul to his servant, come, let's go. So they set out for the town where the man of God was. And as they were going up the hill to the town, they meet some girls drawing water, and they ask them, is the seer here? He is, they answer. There's some giggling now because Saul is so good looking. And and now we're going to get a lot of chattering. We could have just told him, yeah, he's here. But now we're going to get a paragraph. Uh, he's ahead of you, hurry now. He's just come to our town today for the people have a sacrifice at the high place. And as soon as you enter the town, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. The people will not begin eating until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice afterward. Those who are invited to eat. Oh, go up now. You should find him about this time. Hmm. They went up to the town and as they were entering it. There was Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. All right. Roman numeral number two, the providence of God. This is a wow. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Now, that's not in the Bible. And the world loves to quote that. But it's sort of true. True. It's not a blasphemous thing to say. The Lord does work in mysterious ways, but we just love to say, by the way, it's not in the Bible, because it isn't. However, he works in very supernatural, mysterious ways. God is always leading us and directing our steps. Proverbs 20, verse 24, a man's steps are directed by the Lord through big decisions and insignificant ways. Notice, God uses a wild goose chase, or should I say a wild donkey chase, to direct Saul, where? To the throne. He's going to get him ultimately into position to meet Samuel, to be anointed king. He's going to do this by stirring up the donkeys to wander off and stirring up Saul's father to ask Saul, could you do me a favor and go get the donkeys? And God is guiding the donkeys through a a three, four-day search. He's not going to find those donkeys until he gets Saul and the servant to the place where they need to be. It's wonderful how God is using seemingly normal and, listen to me, annoying circumstances. This is an annoying thing. It's a favor. It's like uh, God using a mom to say to a son, I've got something heavy. I can't move it myself. Can you come over and move this big bucket for me and spend the night? Slightly annoying because it's inconvenient. Slightly annoying because I'm a big boy now and I have my own place. But slightly life-saving. Life-saving, right? And so you go from, oh, do I have to go looking for the donkeys? And I'm out looking for the donkeys. God's going, thank you. I am directing your footsteps, and he's directing your footsteps tonight, and you don't even know it. Every footstep, good, bad, right, wrong. You make a wrong move, he's going, now what can I do to make this the best possible outcome for them? He is at work right now. Uh, I love what Chuck Smith would say. Uh, He says, you know, sometimes I'm late, and I... I, I go into my car, and I, I got to go somewhere. And then I remember I left something in the, in the house, like my sunglasses. So I have to go back inside the house, go upstairs to the bedroom, look around for them, find my sunglasses, get them, uh, and go back down, go out to the car. And then he said, you know what? This is what I start to say now. I say, Lord, thank you for sparing my life from that terrible car accident. Or thank you, Lord, for delaying me so that I can be at the right place at the right time to experience your blessing. Stop thinking of of it as, oh, why am I over here? He's like, you're over here because I need you to get over here for something else. You know, how many of your marriages and your jobs and, and how God has turned your whole life happened You know, oh, wow, by chance, it just happened to be, uh, you know, I thought I was going to work, but I ended up meeting my wife, or I thought I went to this college for this reason, but it's because I ended up getting this internship, which changed my whole life, and so God is busy at work. great word of balance from Pastor Dave Guzik. There are two mistakes people make regarding God's guidance through circumstances one mistake is to think every event in our lives is heavy with meaning from god this is wrong because though nothing happens by accident not everything happens for a great purpose but the second mistake is to ignore the moving of god in our lives through circumstances god wanted to use this situation to guide saul and God will often use circumstances in our lives the same way. We need to trust in God's goodness and in his ability to make all things work together for good. Romans 8 28. You know, the believer's prayer is this Psalm 119, 133. Direct my footsteps according to your word. And God's answer to your prayer is I am. I am. So remember, your next annoyance that sets your feet in motion could end you up in the most exciting opportunity of your life. And so in verses 3 to 5, we see some likable qualities about Saul. He's doing dad a favor. Dad asks him to do something. There's no whining. There's no complaining. There's no rolling of the eyes. He says, yes, sir. And he goes. He's a likable, helpful young man. And he's not a quitter. You know, did you notice there are five locations he searched for those donkeys? And if you look at a Bible map, he makes a big round circle. And he's back kind of where he started, but without donkeys. He's not a quitter. He's he's putting some hard effort there. And he's concerned about his dad's anxiety. He's a nice guy. Hey, we better go back home before dad has more to worry about than just lost donkeys great quote here. The greatest hurdle for humans to get over is that good qualities don't make a man good, in God's eyes. We want God to be happy and sympathetic with the souls of this life, but good qualities with a closed heart to God makes any apparent goodness not worth a whole lot. You remember in Luke 16, Jesus' story about the man, the rich man who perishes. And he has compassion, but he himself is in Hades or in hell. He says, Oh, I care about my, my brothers. Please send Lazarus back, raise him from the dead, and let him go and tell my brothers because I care about them that they not end up in this place. Nice guy. In hell it's a big hurdle to jump. Nice doesn't mean saved. It just means nice. Apparently, Saul's not in his spiritual things. We see here uh, that, did, did you get this? He lives five miles from Ramah, and he doesn't know who Samuel is. And Who knows who Samuel is? Well, back in chapter 3, verse 20, and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. He's saying from California to New York, Dan to Beersheba, north to south, all Israel knew about this high priest, prophet, leader, judge, Samuel. He lives five minutes And he doesn't know who he is. He's going to be face to face. He doesn't even know his name. He's just been doing his farming. He's not interested in spiritual things. He wasn't raised to go to the temple. He doesn't have any interest at all. How about the annual feast? Five miles away. Doesn't go. Doesn't know. The servant says, hey, there's a rumor. Isn't that a man of God here? That would be like Billy Graham living in Katati and you talking to somebody and say you know what Billy Graham says and they say who's Billy Graham you know and you know that you would find somebody in Santa Rosa would say who's Billy Graham wouldn't you? Yes. Uh, <laughs> moving on. He's not spiritual man. He's a nice kid. He's good looking. He's tall. Everybody looks at him like, wow. But he's zero interest in God. Thankfully, verse 6, the servant knows that there's a prophet in town. Uh, uh, not real spiritual kids, are they? Maybe we can go to this prophet, Samuel. We'll find out how to get our donkeys back. We don't want to know how to get to heaven We don't want to know anything about our souls. We don't want to know about relationship with God or heaven and hell, but we want, we got some donkeys to find, and maybe we go to the man of God and he'll just tell us, you know, go over that hill and you'll find your three donkeys. Not very spiritual. Verse seven again, Saul's polite. Do we have a gift to bring? He's a nice guy. That's what you did. You didn't just go to a prophet uh, and say, hey, tell me something. In the uh, Middle East, the Eastern countries, uh, people were and still are more sensitive to social obligations and etiquette. When we lived in Japan, I'll tell you, wonderful politeness that you don't even, you can't imagine. And when you go and you live there for four years and you come back here, you just really disillusioned with Westerners and their self-centeredness and rudeness. It's just terrible. They just really know how to treat each other with respect. It's just a, a wonderful thing. And you see it here. Uh, in Japan, you do not go into somebody's door frames without something in your hand. That's a proverb. You can't go into a neighbor's house unless you have something. You mean something from your vegetable garden, flowers, something has to be in your hand. You don't go into somebody's house just, hi, it's me. It's, hi, it's me, and I have something for you. Isn't that great? Shouldn't we do that? Never mind. Uh, so, uh, the servant in verse eight scrounges up a little silver, you know, quarter of a shekel, whatever. It's better than nothing. And they head to a seer in the Hebrew. The word is row uh, R O E H. And, uh, all it means is to see. So he's saying the seer is somebody who can see into the spiritual realm. And, uh, Seer and prophet are used interchangeably in the Old Testament. I mean, some guys want to uh, show you a little bit of a difference, but there really isn't one. And then the cute thing with the girls, you know, uh, is the seer in town? The answer is, yeah, he's right over there. That's the answer. But Saul is so darn good looking that they just want chat to chat it up with this guy. And so I just think it's really cute. Here's why he's here. You're in luck. Samuel's in town. Here's what he's doing exactly. Here's what's going on in town. Here's why we do it. And here's how you, the service works. And here's what you should do. And did we mention we're single? <laughs> it's so hard to find in the Hebrew because it's not there. However, okay, so... Finally, got you to laugh. You are a lot of work tonight. I just want to add that in there. So the two boys head up the hill. Verse 14, guess who they run into by chance? Just the guy they're looking for. So face to face, Samuel's on his way to the high place. Now, normally when you hear high place in the Old Testament, it's bad place because that's where the pagans did. But they don't have a central place right now. So they're going to have high place just means up on a hill, open-air sanctuary, and the Lord's people did use it occasionally uh, when they didn't have their temple or tabernacle, which they don't have at the moment. Okay, so now they're face-to-face with the man of God. Maybe they're going to find them donkeys. All right, verses 15 through 20. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, about this time tomorrow I'll send you a man from the land of Benjamin, Anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked upon my people. Uh, I have looked upon my people. For their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, "This is the man I spoke to you about. He'll govern my people." Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, "Would you please tell me where the seer's house is?" I am the seer. Oh, coincidence. Samuel replied, go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you're going to eat with me. And in the morning, I'll let you go, and I'll tell you all that's in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and all your father's family? Roman numeral number three, God's heads up for Samuel so we find out that God has alerted Samuel the prophet uh, about the next day that he's going to find the new king. Uh, God has given Samuel a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is something that God gives to us that we could never know uh, on our own. And he, in the Hebrew, it was really wonderful. He opened his ear, Samuel's ear. And it just is a nice idiom to say, you know, God intervenes to speak to us. And what we want to do is not plug our ears. We don't want to make it difficult for God to open the ear. For him to speak into our hearts through our spiritual understanding and so he says there in verse 16 about this time tomorrow a benjamite it's not all bad news he's going to lead some victorious battles um, i've heard all the whining for a king i got the perfect guy and you're going to meet him tomorrow now i personally like that samuel's not seen interviewing people so god has told him samuel about this time tomorrow you're gonna you're gonna meet the man the first king you're gonna see him and i i don't see samuel interviewing folks and looking and trying to force something to happen he knows god is big enough to make the promise and god's listen to me big enough to fulfill what he's promised without our help There's a difference between cooperating with God and doing our part and forcing something to happen because we think we heard something. Well, he knows he heard something, but he lets God work. He just chooses, And it's Saul who's coming to him. And Saul who's asking him, hey, I'm looking for the seer. And his answer is, you're seeing him. (laughs) I like that, anyway. And so... Uh, the predestined meeting happens. Polite Saul is blown away. Look at how polite he is. Could you please tell me where the seer is? And, and, and so uh, can you imagine Saul's eyes? Now, Samuel says, first of all, I, I'm the one you're looking for. <laughs> and secondly, you're having supper with me. It's already arranged. And even you're going to find out the piece of meat, the prime rib. I already saved it for you because God told me you're coming, and here you are. And so go on ahead of me. And um, by the way, I'll tell you everything in your heart. In other words, I'll answer all your questions by tomorrow. Uh, By the way, the donkeys you've been looking for three days are found. P.S. All of Israel is thirsting for a king, and isn't it obvious that it's you? Now run along, and we'll have dinner. (laughs) Can you imagine? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just want the donkeys. <laughs> just give me the donkeys. <laughs> okay, let's finish the whole chapter. Saul answers, uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, but I'm, am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And isn't my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number, Samuel said to the cook, bring the prime rib that I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. You know, the piece of meat, it was the shoulder, it was the best piece, and so prime rib works there. Uh, Verse 24, so the cook took up the leg with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. Samuel says, here's what's been kept for you eat because it was set aside for you for this occasion. From the time I said, I've invited guests. And Saul dined with Samuel that day after they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. They rose about daybreak and Samuel called to Saul on the roof, get ready and I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together as they were going down to the edge of the town. Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here a while so that I may give you a message from God. So final number four, Saul's apprehension. Saul's dumbfounded. Now, again, a likable response, humble and modest he says, I'm from an in- insignificant tribe. Do you remember back in Judges when uh, the tribe of Benjamin said, we'll fight all of Israel. We're going to protect these evil men. They were wicked men who did a terrible, unmentionable crime. And all of Israel came out and said, send us those bad guys out of Benjamin, state of Benjamin. And the Benjamites said, they may have done something wicked, but they're Benjamites. And you'll have to fight us all. So they did, and almost wiped Benjamin out completely. So that's what Saul's saying, hey, we're like hardly anybody left here. What are you saying, that I'm going to be king? That's kind of impossible. My family's not very prominent. Yes, they were. But that was very gracious of him to say that. He's humble. He's a nice guy. Uh, Why are you saying these things to me? Oh, that, you know, I can just only imagine. And so they get to the fellowship hall in verse 22. And Saul's seated up at the front next to Samuel. And his eyes are going crossed. And he's just going crazy. There's 30 distinguished guests. And then the uh, Samuel says to the cook in verse 23, bring out that, that portion that I told you to save for our special guest. It's placed before him. He says, eat it. Eat up, kid. This was arranged before I ever met you or uh, had invited guests at all. So after supper, there's a long talk atop Samuel's house. Now, the houses had flat roofs, as you remember. And in the hot uh, summer nights, they would go up on those roofs. And sometimes they had a guest room up there. So that's where he's telling Saul everything in his heart. And I can imagine the encouragement. He's saying, look, Saul, you've got a lot going for you. You have the image, you're a humble man, you're polite. You'll have the support of all the people, but if you don't give your heart to the Lord, to serving God, to submit to him as your king, you'll never make it, you'll never be fit to be king over Israel. You know Samuel was trying to get through to him. They talked all night, and then I guess they got a couple hours of sleep at daybreak, verse 26. Uh, It's time to go home to father. His father's name is Kish. And so I'm setting you up for my joke. Uh, It's time to Kish and say goodbye. (laughs) But I had to remind you of his name because you would have never got it. (laughs) It's time to return to dad and the three donkeys. But before Saul heads off down the road, he says, Hey, sir, uh, excuse us to the servant. He says, I got to talk to this guy. So he looks up into Saul's beautiful face and he says, I got a message from God for you, kid. And now, chapter 10, verse 1, he's going to anoint him with anointing oil that says, You, the king. And he's going to prophesy. And from that moment on, Saul is king. We're out of judges. We're in the monarchy now. So it's exciting. We'll look at that next time. Saul's going to anoint him, uh, proclaim him as king. And, and interestingly, he's going to, in next chapter, give Saul three things. Three, three things are going to happen to confirm the fact that God really thinks this guy is king. And so we will look at those three things. Here are the reflections for tonight. First uh, Samuel chapter 9, reflections number one. God's will for our lives is always better than our own ideas. Number two, let us always remember that man looks at the outside, God looks at the inside. Let us take as great of care of our inward person as our outward person. The appearance is temporal, character, and spiritual discipline is forever. Number three of five, God is guiding our footsteps with good and kind intentions. Sometimes allows us unpleasant circumstances to move us to where we need to be. Number four, what a difference just one day makes. Everything can turn around in your life in one day often when you least expect it. One day you're chasing donkeys, somebody else's errands, the next day God rewards you with a great life-changing honor. And lastly, number five, when the Lord opens a door for us of great opportunity, when he calls us to do something great for him or beyond our own natural abilities, let us rise to the occasion cooperate with his Holy Spirit and walk worthy of that honor.